Morning. Happy Mother's Day to you. Uh, my name is David. I'm the lead pastor here at Renovation Church. Morning to you. Uh, before we get into our passage for the day, uh, I want to take just three minutes or so and talk to you about something uh, that's really near and dear uh, to our heart at Renovation Church. Uh, every summer, as our house groups take a break uh, for the summer, we offer classes for people to uh, study the Bible and learn more about God. Uh, we've traditionally called these classes the School of Theology, uh, but we are changing the name this year, and it will henceforth be called... That was my drum roll right there. Thank you. Thank you. Much better. Uh, Renovation U is our new name. Uh, we, we really wanted a name uh, that wasn't intimidating to anyone because really these classes are for anyone. And then we also learned that not every class that we're offering is even necessarily a theology class. And so uh, we feel great about this. Uh, we believe that it's an incredibly important thing for every believer, for every Christian, not just to have faith, but to learn about your faith, to know about your faith. And so over the past few years, we've been able to just add more and more classes, and so you can learn about the Lord, so you can study the Bible and just grow deeper in your faith. And so now we are offering five different classes, and you can kind of see the order on the screen that you can take this summer. Um, I would just say to you, don't take this summer off spiritually. This is so worth it. Our classes are just eight or nine weeks long, and so it's not even necessarily the whole summer. Uh, the classes go in order, and so you start up there in the beginning at First Steps. Uh, first Steps is our class where you can really start diving into Christianity for the first time. Begin to look at the Bible. You'll learn more about Jesus uh, and why he died. We study questions like, how do I hear from God? How do, I, how do I pray? You'll study questions like, how can I trust that the Bible is even true in the first place? Uh, this is a phenomenal class if you're just starting out in your faith, like many of you are. Or if you've maybe even been a Christian for a long time, but you've never actually studied Christianity. You've never studied your faith. Uh, we do ask that everybody starts in that class. Uh, the only exception we make is if at some time in your past, uh, at, a, at a college or something, you took some sort of theological class. Uh, then you can jump to a Mining God's Word, or if you've already taken First Steps, obviously you can go there. Uh, Mining God's Word is a super cool class. It uh, helps you learn to actually know how to interpret the Bible, how to study the Bible. Our, our reviews for this class are, are off the charts. Uh, we've had well over 100 people take it just in the last few years. Uh, people love this class. And then once you get through Mining God's Word, you move on to Theology 101 and Theology 201. Uh, and these are the classes where we really begin to study the deeper doctrines of Christianity. Uh, we go deep here. Uh, we go into the doctrine of the Trinity and creation uh, and the end times. We study uh, major theological questions like, does God know the future? Or did God actually not just know the future, did God actually plan the future? And we, we dive into those sort of questions. Uh, these are seminary-level, graduate school-level classes that we're offering at our church every summer for basically free, uh, which is amazing. Uh, about once every three years or so, I teach uh, Theology 201. Uh, I'm teaching that this summer. If you've kind of been stuck at 101 for a while and you haven't moved on to 201, sign up for 201. Let's take a class together this summer. I would love, I'd love to have you in class. And then uh, we are so excited to announce for the first time in a few years, we're actually adding another class. Uh, and so if you have finished what we're now calling the Core 4 track, uh, we are starting another track in Renovation U uh, called the Bible Overview Track. And we'll be adding classes as we move on uh, year by year. And so 
we're adding a, a class called Old Testament Survey 1. And so for those of you, there's about 30 or 40 of you that have gone through the core four. If you finish those, uh, this is a great class where you, you're going to go through the first half of the Old Testament, really get an overview of the first half of the Old Testament, look at the major events and their connection to the New Testament. And so it's, it's going to be awesome. Uh, you all get details on how to sign up for classes and stuff during, during announcements, but we're, we're looking forward to this. Uh, it, take a class this summer. If you're going, oh, I'd love to take a class, but I have these little things that run around my house. They're called children, I think. I just, I couldn't. Uh, find a sitter for eight weeks. Or even a lot of couples in our church will rotate every other summer. One will take a class one summer, one the other summer. F- find a way to take a class. You're, you're going to love it. All right, we are continuing this morning in our Lost and Found series on the Gospel of Luke. Uh, we're just going verse by verse through the book of Luke. Uh, we are in our third and final week of uh, our, our sort of mini message series on John the Baptist. And so we covered his birth, we covered his preaching last week, and this week we're going to take a look at his humility. Now, uh, for some people, they think, oh, John the Baptist, that, that and humility don't necessarily go together for me. You see this, like, intense, fiery guy. But sometimes I think we confuse humility and timidity, and they're not the same thing. In fact, John is an incredibly humble man. And I think we need this passage today in America. We need this. Right? We, we value a lot of things in our country. We value equality and inclusion and diversity and competition and achievement. But listen, humility is not one of our core values as Americans. Ask anyone who's ever come to the United States. That's not how we're described. We don't teach our children to be humble. We teach them about how great they are, right? We have no idea, many of us, on how to actually live in humility. And so today, we really need as a people to look closely at the life, at the words, at the teaching of John the Baptist. Uh, so we're continuing on. If you want to follow along in the passage, I highly recommend that. There's a Bible under each chair. Uh, we're going to be on page 833 today. Or you can use the Renovation Church app, just have Bible and weekly verses. Find some way just to have the word in front of you today. Uh, last week, if you were here, you listened online, uh, we, we left off at uh, verse 14 of chapter 3. And so we're going to start right at verse 15 today of chapter 3, uh, page 833. So here we go, Luke chapter 3, starting at verse 15. It says, the people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John, this John the Baptist, might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather wheat into his barn but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. But when John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch because of his marriage to Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things he had done, Herod added this to them all. He locked John up in prison. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was open. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I'm well pleased. And so Jesus is baptized. A a couple of notes about this incredibly important historical event. 
Uh, the baptism of Jesus is really his first public appearance as an adult. Uh, and it's also significant because you have all three members of the Trinity there, right? You have Jesus, the Son, getting baptized. You have the Father speaking from heaven. And you have the Holy Spirit coming down like a dove. Uh, let me come back to Jesus' baptism a, a bit later. But let's, let's, again, look at the humility of John the Baptist. Think of it this way. If anybody had reasons to be prideful, it was John the Baptist. Like, was your birth announced by an angel? I didn't think so, right? Were there multiple famous people who prophesied about your life hundreds of years before you were born? Yeah, I didn't think so, right? Are you having thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people come down to the river to hear you speak? I mean, look even what verse 15 says, if you have it in front of you still. It says the people start wondering if John is the Christ. I mean, if you read this narrative in, John, in, in John's gospel, John the disciple, they even straight up ask John the Baptist to say, hey, are you the Messiah? I mean, can you imagine people liking you so much that they come up to you and they say, hey, you just, you just seem so amazing. I was wondering, are you by chance the son of God? Right? Can you imagine? I'm getting prideful over that, right? I don't know about you. Many of you would probably just humble brag that right to Facebook, right? And you just throw it right up and say, hey, here I am. This is me. And yet, John stays incredibly humble, right? The crowds just keep coming to him. They want to follow him. And yet he just keeps wearing clothes from forever camels, right? He's eating bugs like he's on Survivor. He just doesn't change. Why? I'll tell you why. Because John the Baptist is a man that understands the great gulf that is between him and Jesus. Do you understand that? In Matthew, we're told this. Uh, when Jesus is getting in line to be baptized by John, it says this, Matthew chapter 3. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? You can see even more of John's humility in his statement about the sandals. I don't know if you saw this statement when we read it in Luke. This is a verse that actually always confused me when I started initially reading the Bible. And so let me just break down this verse. This is a verse 16, if you have it in front of you. I'm just going to read it again. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. Then he says this, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Okay, what, is that? what, what, what does that even mean? He says, I'm not even worthy to take off Jesus' sandals. Now, in, in the first century, many of the rabbis had this teaching that a rabbi would gather disciples and a rabbi could ask basically anything of his disciples except to take off his sandals, right? Because in those days, I mean, think about it, right? You're not walking around on fancy sidewalks. You're walking through muddy, dirty streets and mixed with mud and garbage and who knows what else, right? You're not walking in Nike sneakers, right? You're probably not taking a lot of baths. I mean, think about this. Some of you are disgusted by feet even when they're clean, right? 
Yeah, just imagine this. And so uh, the, the, the sort of saying was, a rabbi could ask you to do just about anything except take off his sandals, right? Because that was considered like to be too humiliating to demand. Unless someone was like a wealthy person and they had a bunch of servants, it was the lowest of the lowest of the lowest servant. It was their job to take off the master's sandals. And John the Baptist is saying, I'm not even worthy to do that for Jesus. That's the gulf between me and Jesus. I'm not even worthy to be the lowest of the lowest of the lowest servant of Jesus. And yet, you read in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 11, Jesus starts talking about John the Baptist, and Jesus says that never has there ever been anyone born up until that point greater than John the Baptist. He says he's the greatest of men born of women. So John the Baptist, who's the greatest of men, says the distance between him and Jesus is so great that he wouldn't even be worthy to be the lowest of servants. And listen, we need this word. Because too many of us as Americans, we, we miss this. We don't live like this. All we want to do is we want to just keep propping ourselves up. That's what we do all day long on social media, right? We just keep want, to talk, we want to keep talking about how great we are and how we've accomplished this. Or our children accomplished that. John the Baptist, he gets it. The task of the Christ follower is to go lower not higher. This is why John the Baptist famously says in the Gospel of John, he says these words, John 3.30, he, Jesus, he must become greater, I must become less. Is that your heart? Is that how you're living your life right now? I just think most of us don't think like this. Because, like, we, we say this to you all the time here at Renovation. In America, most of us are born being told how special we are and how important we are. In suburban America, we get these sort of uh, undertones that we, we, we just have the right to live how we want, to live this way. And when you think that, you're more special than, that you are better than another class of people, well, then you're never going to be able to serve and love like John the Baptist because you're always going to be above everyone else. The great Charles Spurgeon says it this way. He says, My brethren, we ought to feel that we are not worthy to do the lowest thing we can do for Christ. Because when we have gone to the lowest, Jesus always goes lower down than we have gone. Let me me give you a few examples of this. In fact, let me even say this first. As a Christian, there is no act of service that should be beneath you. Because if you lower yourself, I assure you that Jesus has gone lower still. Now, we wouldn't say it this way, but many of us believe like, we feel like it's not worth our time to serve someplace. Even serve at church. Other people can do that. Right, they can come early, they can stay late, right, they can serve our kids, but we're different. Right? We put ourselves kind of on a different plane. And we say, you know, I'm just different. I'm, I'm really busy. I don't know about these other people, but I'm really busy. I have kids. 
And so I'm, look, I'm, I'm kind of on a, a different plane. We're different. And that serving, again, we don't say it this way, but our actions say it this way. Serving is too low for us. Our time is too important. But the Son of God, Jesus, goes lower. I don't know if you know this about Jesus, but he was actually fairly busy before he came to earth, ruling the universe and all. And yet, this is his heart. Look at this, Matthew 20, 28. It says, just as the Son of Man, whenever you see that in the Bible, that means Jesus, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Is that your life? Is that your heart? I assure you, if you feel like you're going low, Jesus goes lower still. You know, a lot of people nowadays feel like it's beneath them to go and, and play with kids, go take care of kids, or hold a baby, or whatever. Not Jesus. I mean, think about this. When Jesus was on earth and people are bringing him the children, how easy would it have been to say, do you guys understand how important I am? I don't have time for this. And he says, let the little children come to me. He goes lower. He just meets them right at eye level. Many times, we feel like it's beneath us to help out that family member who just keeps struggling. They keep messing up. You know what I'm talking about? The black sheep in your family. We wouldn't say it this way, of course, but we act like we're above it. Right? Maybe you went to school or you got a nice job, right? You go to church, you kind of got your life together okay, and we just think, I don't need to just keep being involved in their mess. We don't say it like it, but we treat it like it's beneath us. Like we've somehow risen above it. And yet Jesus goes lower still. He stoops down and he offers a hand to the prostitute buried in shame. And let me tell you something about that prostitute. I guarantee you that that prostitute was the black sheep of somebody's family. And yet he lowers himself down. He offers grace and he offers a way out. He goes lower still. I mean, how many times have I driven by that homeless person holding the cardboard sign in the middle of the road? And I think that's beneath me. Again, I don't say it, but I act like it. You know, with our actions, we say, I don't have time for this right now. I see them. I don't have time for this right now. I'm going somewhere. I, 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 I still got to go to Cub before dinner and get some food to put in my overflowing suburban pantry. And so I don't have time to make sure that this person eats dinner tonight. In other words, I'm, my time, my life, it's above where their life is. That's what we say. I've been there. I've been there almost every time. I act like my time is more important. I just want to say to you, I'm sick of that. I'm just, personally, I'm just sick of it in my own life. And I think I act like that because unlike John the Baptist, I don't understand who I am in comparison to Jesus, in comparison to perfection. I'm too busy falsely comparing myself to everyone else. I'm looking at everyone else instead of comparing myself to Christ. About two weeks ago, I was in Brooklyn Park, and I was getting my car fixed. And I was, uh, the mechanic said, you know, this is going to take a while. And I, I looked out the window across the street, and I saw Culver's. And I thought, you know, I think it's the Lord's will for me to eat lunch there. <laughs> and so I, 
I, you know, I'm obedient to the Lord. And I, I, I walked across the street, and I'm going to Culver's, and I see this guy holding a cardboard sign. Just, just says, essentially, need food, anything will help. And I saw him, and I just walked right by him. He was there, I just walked on the sidewalk right by him. Didn't even make eye contact with him. And I went in, and I sat down at Culver's and bit into my burger, and I thought, what am I doing? Like, seriously, what am I doing? Like, how am I different? Well, really, how am I different? Right, because I was born into some family that I couldn't control that put me in the right path, right? Because God has graciously and mercifully in my life decided not to smite me for my sins, which he rightfully could have done, like any of us. And so I finished my lunch, and I'm, I'm walking back to the mechanic, and the guy is still standing there. And I just thought, enough is enough. Like, at some point, I, I have to change how I'm living my life. You can't just talk about it, right? And so I just stopped right there in the median, right near Brooklyn Boulevard. And I stopped, and I said, hey, what's your, what's your story? This guy started talking to me, and he said he unbelievably, totally unexpectedly, lost his job of 25 years. And things just started, he just told me a story, I was, things just started to unravel. And he lost his home, and he didn't have a place to live, and he ran out of money, and he just looked at me and started crying. And he just said, I hate doing this. I hate doing this. I cannot tell you how embarrassed I am to do this. But he just looked at me in the eyes and said, but I don't know what else to do. And so I just talked with him some more. I gave him some money to go eat Culver's for lunch. And then we prayed together. And I just thought, finally, I stopped being above, right? For the moment anyway. I'm sure in my pride I'll go back by tomorrow thinking I'm above again. But I'm learning in the process to not go there. Because I'm lower, right? Lower than I think I am. And because my Jesus goes lower still. I mean, you you keep going in the text. Even baptism is an act of humility, is it not? I've been in the ministry for a while now, and one of the things that I've noticed is that Christians are often pretty nervous about getting baptized. Even though the Bible literally commands us to. Once you make a a declaration that you're going to follow Jesus, you're commanded to be baptized. And I think we're nervous because baptism is kind of a humbling act. It's humbling to stand up in front of other people. Uh, It's humbling as an adult to get in the pool. Uh, It's humbling because we think, I'm just too old for this. We think, I've been a Christian too long for this. It's humbling even to stand up and say, I'm not good enough. But he was. But friends, if you haven't been baptized, if you're a believer in Jesus and you haven't been baptized as a believer yet, let yourself get lowered into the water. Why? Because Jesus went lower still. Let me tell you something. Of all people, Jesus didn't need to get baptized. He was perfect. He never sinned. He didn't need to get baptized to show this symbol of God washing away his sins. But Jesus was humble enough. Are you? Jesus was humble enough to get baptized because he needed to do it as an example for you and I. He was crucified between two sinners. Didn't deserve it. 
He was crucified between two sinners and he got baptized between two sinners because he's the one that can identify with us sinners. And so if you're a new believer and you haven't stepped forward to be baptized yet, sign up to get baptized. It's something that every believer is called to do as a symbol of God washing away their sins. If you aren't a new believer, you've been a Christian for a few years now, maybe even a few decades, and you've never been obedient to being baptized like the scripture commands you, then humble yourself. Be obedient. Sign up to get baptized. Go lower still. Uh, We do a baptism every summer. Uh, It's not until July 15th, but I put the sign up out in the hallway just for one day today. So some of you in this room that say, I just need to be obedient to this, that you would humble yourself. Go lower still and sign up. You can do it on your app as well if, if you'd like. Go lower. Be willing as a Christ follower to do anything for Jesus. That's who we're meant to be. Listen, that's how we change the world. Not by going higher, but by going lower. When you come home from work and your kids want to play with you, but all you want to do is just look at your phone, just escape somewhere. Go lower. Live for someone else, not just yourself. When when someone said something hurtful to you, and you, you can't bring yourself to forgive them, realize that you are not above them on the righteousness chart. Go lower, because we're lower, and our Jesus went lower still. Where do you need to go lower? The lower, the better, by the way. I find that our intentions are so much more pure when no one's looking, and you're not going to get credit for it. There is nothing too low for you. There's no job at work that's too menial for you. There's nothing that's too dirty, too low. And I will tell you why. Think about this. And so John the Baptist says that he's not even worthy to do the lowest of the lowest job, which is to take off Jesus' sandals. And yet, John chapter 13 in the Bible, Jesus himself, the Son of God, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, puts on a towel kneels besides, beside the disciples and he unties and takes off their dirty sandals. And he washes the feet of the very men who are going to desert him a few hours from them. So that's our Savior. And so we go lower because we're lower. We, 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 don't, we don't just live like we're above because we're not above. And we, we live, we go lower because our Savior went lower. And I, I just want to tell you, there's a blessing. There's a blessing in going lower. Matthew 23, Jesus says it this way. He says, the greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. Look at the life of John the Baptist. The guy's incredibly humble. And because of his humility, he gets a front row seat to God's movement. He's watching the Pharisees, the soldiers, the tax collectors come down the banks of the river with tears flowing in their eyes, giving their lives back to God. What a sight. But let me just warn you with something. If you keep seeing yourself as better than, as a higher up, then God isn't going to do much through you because you'll just constantly be waiting for God to do things for you. But go lower. I promise you, then he'll move through you. 
you can think of it this way. Humility is an artery for the lifeblood of the work of God. But pride in our lives is like plaque building up on the walls of that artery. And pride will cut off the movement of God in your life. For many of you, your pride is the reason that you're not seeing God really move through your life. You keep waiting for him to use you. Because, well, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't he? And that's the exact reason he's not going to use you. He's going to go move through somewhere else, someone else where he can get the credit. Or many of us, we're, we're asking God to move in our lives. And maybe God is asking you to serve in a way that isn't all that glorious. Serve in a way where you don't really get noticed. And we think well, that's too low for us. And we won't get noticed doing that. But if you keep living that way, I promise that God is not going to move through you. We go lower still. Look at these words from James in the New Testament. James says, but he gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says, God opposes the proud. But shows favor to the humble. Listen, the last thing that you want in your life is God opposing you. To be prideful is to have God against you. Humility, though, is often described as the chief virtue of the Christian life. I would just say to you this way. Think of yourself like servants of the king. You know, in the old days, uh, servants of the king and queen of England actually didn't get paid hardly any money. And they often had to do just incredibly menial tasks around the palace. But see, the honor wasn't in the pay, and the honor wasn't in the task. The honor was in the fact that they got to serve the king. See, that's how you ought to think of your life. You're not doing this for you. You're not doing this for show. You're not doing this to build your reputation. You're doing it for the king who loves you. The king who went lower than you'll ever go. The king who left his throne to come lower to this dirty earth. The king that went lower still than was crucified on a cross. The king that even though you and I aren't worthy, we are not even worthy to be the lowest of the lowest servants in his house. That king still invites you to be his adopted daughter, to be his adopted son. That king. So friends, we go lower still that his name may be lifted higher. Let me pray. Lord, we just ask for a dose of humility. We need it as Americans, even as American believers, God. We want to imitate you and your service and your humility. God, we believe that as we go lower, that you will be lifted higher. And through us, you will move and change the world. In your name we pray. Amen.